Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. It is myself, Toby Tarrant, it is Daniel Norcross, and it is Stephen Finn. And I suppose we should go straight to Stephen because, uh, as he keeps reminding us, we've only got him for a limited time. We've got him for now 28 minutes. We've got him from 4 till 4.30 because he's got to go to a dentist appointment and not a minute more. So, uh, Finney, I, I guess you'll be in top, top form for the next 28 minutes. Well, trying to organise a podcast with you two is nigh impossible because you change the times every 30 minutes or so. So if you're not keeping on tabs with your phone, um, it becomes impossible to record. And also, I'm not that fussed about being here anyway. So any excuse to cut short my time with you two, I'm quite quite grateful to do so. That is quite the insult because mm. I am... Well, it's bloody accurate, to be honest. I, I, I don't doubt you mean every, every iota of it. It's just that... Um, you know, often you you can't wait to leave the podcast because you've got, you know, dinner to go to or you're going for drinks with friends, but he'd rather go to the dentist than hang out with mm. you and me, Daniel. How does that make you feel, Daniel? Well, you know, like really a bit of shit, really, doesn't it? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not exactly. I mean, here I am hanging around incredibly wet Kier Oval, the people's home of cricket, a game that's going to be called off in about five minutes and instead of being able to miss the rush hour and get back to my wife who I'm hardly going to see for six and a half weeks as I traipse around India watching the World Cup you know I can't give her all that time that she deserves I'm hanging around waiting for Finney and uh, and all he wants to do like a rat up a drain pipe is go and have his teeth fixed I mean yeah great anyway at least I've got some wine I've got some wine It's it's a very nice drop of wine as it goes I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I'm struggling a bit today, you see, because there's a fellow who works here who has a voice that I find extraordinarily beguiling, because he sounds peculiarly like a perfect combination between Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, if such a thing were possible. Hang on, you were, you were talking, you were doing this impression of a guy that works at the Oval before we started the podcast, and you said, whatever you do, don't let this go out, and then we're... 
four minutes into the episode and you've immediately broken your own rule and started doing well, an impression I, I, of it. The thing is, I've got <laughs> into character. It's very hard for me to escape from that character. <laughs> anyway, the wine's nice. The wine's, very the nice, wine's very nice. nice. That's very nice. Very nice drop of wine. Very nice uh, drop of wine. Finny, what are, what are they doing with uh, with your gnashes? Is, is, is it just a hygienist appointment or is it something more strenuous? No, it's just a checkup. It's a checkup What's... that I could have done any time, but... I sort of made sure that it coincided with when we were trying to do a podcast. I see. Good call. I see. Yeah. Do you, is, is that a thing? What you just go? I, I go to the hygienist once every few months, and then they sort of check up on you whilst whilst they're there. I, do, 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 I wouldn't have been to a hygienist for years. It, it actually shows. I actually brush my teeth properly. Well, no. you say that, but I mean, no one at TMS has had the heart to tell you. But the, you may have noticed the reason why we all just. A little bit further away from no, you. No, I think it's everyone else is further away from you, Norcross. It's <laughs> nothing to do with me. <laughs> but even if, because I brush my teeth very thoroughly and I use mouthwash and all that, but you still need mm. still need to go to the hygienist once in a while. There's, you do. there's just some things that the toothbrush doesn't get, Finny. You're you disgusting. Well, I'll bear, I'll bear your, your comments in mind. Thanks for that. Now, they always make you feel really bad, dentists. They always make you, they always ask if you've been flossing. And of course, oh, nobody's Mine doesn't. Flossing. My mind, well, it's because I do, and I don't just floss. I use those interdental brushes, the TPs. It's fantastic. Right. You basically you do that thing, then you rinse it in a little um, glass mug, and you can see the sediment of plaque and how it all like falls to the bottom. It's brilliant, and it makes them. It's a bit like snowflakes. It makes a really lovely. It's a very, very lovely pattern, actually, Toby. I heartily recommend it. You're particularly boring today. You've been hanging out with this guy a lot. Um, he's, a, well, he's a very interesting man, as it goes. Well, this will get the listeners tuning in next week. But Finney, next week, why don't uh, why don't you just feed back to us what they say about your teeth next week, and um, and we can see how you're getting on with your oral health. Yep. Well, <laughs> actually, strangely enough, I'm going next week myself because uh, <laughs> I, I thought I'd better go before I go to India. So I'm going uh, next uh, the 27th. I'm having the full works done. Zhuzh, 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 zhuzh. Now, if we <laughs> if we ever earn any money off this podcast, I think we should send you to Turkey, Daniel, and get you brand new set of like Jurgen Klopp-esque teeth Ooh. and an impressive mane of hair. I want you to have sort of like... Why is that Turkey? Why is it? Why do I have to go to Turkey for that? It's very cheap out there. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's really cheap out there. It's where it's where you see, you know you see guys from like Essex who've got the most incredible teeth in the world. They've all gone to Turkey and got it done, basically. Oh, like Ben Folks, he was at Essex when he got his teeth done, wasn't he? There you go. He probably yeah. went to Turkey. Probably yeah. to Luke Turkey. Wood. Luke oh, he's Wood. got great gnashes, hasn't he? Yeah. Blimey, they're yeah. not here, are they? Is that a Turkey? Well, I job? don't know. <laughs> That's got to be a Turkey job, isn't it? Feel free to let us know at Zero Ducks Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I want your best teeth eleven, please. And then next week, your worst teeth eleven. But for well, now, the worst worst teeth eleven will basically all be from the nineteenth century, won't they? Yes, that's true. And English. although I've got a strange tooth story while we're at it, my grandfather was standing up to the stumps in uh, nineteen twenty four, aged eighteen, <laughs> when he got top edge straight into his mouth, and uh, they put him under general anaesthetic and ripped out every single one of his teeth and gave him dentures because apparently that's what he did for an eighteenth birthday in the nineteen twenties. <laughs> Our producer, our producer Sal wants us to move on and uh, get to cricket, but that was what a cricket? cricket-based story. That it was, was a, a cricket-based cr- story. It was a cricket-based story. He's going to have a go at us for slagging off Hitler next. He's always uh, doing this. <laughs> well, do you know what? Before Finney um, leaves us, I've got a couple of quick stories that are very Finney-centric, so I'll come to him. The first one is uh, that your old partner in crime, Tim Murta, has announced his retirement 
from the game, Finney, and then immediately, in the most Tim Murtagh fashion possible, he immediately took a fifer. So what, why is he retiring, Finney? There's life in the old dog yet. Yeah, plenty of life. And I think if he could have wrapped up conditions and, and sort of tailor-made them for him, then these would have been them over the last couple of days. Damp, lights on, a soft pitch. And he made the most of it, as he has done so many times in his career. I mean, fair enough that he's calling it a day. But um, I know you like to take the piss out of the fact that he, he bowls backwards and he, he can't see anymore when he bats. But what a ridiculous, ridiculous career he's had. And the longevity of it is just, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, yeah. And to have played international cricket and World Cups and that fifer at Lords, I think, would probably end up being his career highlight against England in 2019. But... Yeah, the longevity, the skill, um, and just how many wickets he's taken. What is it, 950 first-class wickets, over a 1,000 wickets for Middlesex across all formats. Gets wheeled out for the odd T20 every now and again when the team's struggling to take wickets. So, yeah, and he won the T20 in 2008 with Middlesex. So he's won it all and he's done it all. And, yeah, it's a fitting way to go out with a few more wickets at Lords. He actually got a lovely standing ovation when he walked out to bat and a guard of honour from Warwickshire. And yeah, like Stuart Broad, he's writing his own script when he leaves the game. He's He's got he's got a record with the bat as well, though, you know, in the test match. He played a test match. And can you remember what that record is, Finny? It's something really bizarre about a number 11 scoring well, got more a 50, than 20 in each innings. Like, yeah, but he, got, he, got a, but he also he got did something in, the sec- in both innings. It's a, it's a record to do with a number 11. Scoring in both innings an amount of runs. It's you it's see a better podcast than our rival podcast would, yeah. come, would turn up armed with these statistics. But Norcross is just offering you. There's also a statistic, and it's something to do with him batting at number eleven, and that's the sort of insight that you get on Zero Ducks, given that you don't get on other podcasts. But also, Finney, he's done the right thing. Uh, you had to bowl that pointless spell at the end of your Test career that tipped your bowling average over thirty. He just called it a day after three Test matches. He, he leaves with a bowling average of sixteen point three eight. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a wizard, isn't he? And he's bringing that first-class average down again with the way that he's taking wickets in this game. So, yeah, he's a wicket machine. He has done it since I've known him and started playing with him 15 years ago. Um, and he's a very close friend. And, you know, you should be incredibly proud of the things that he's achieved. He's a fantastic teammate. And he's another one of those guys who you won't hear anyone that he's played with or against a bad word about him. Uh, Norcross is, is now holding the statistic up. During uh, this match, he became the first number 11 batsman in the history of Test cricket to record scores of more than 25 in each innings of a Test match. 54 not out and 27. There we go. There we go. Not bad, is it? Not a bad record to have. Uh, do you know what? I'm looking at his stats now going into his final match. Now, this is interesting. So he's got 951 wickets at 24.55, which is an unbelievable record. His economy rate, his career economy rate in first-class cricket is 2.99. So he's going at 3.35 and over. I wonder how many runs and at what rate he needs to go at to finish with an economy rate of three or over. I think he'd have to get some tap. I mean, he's played a few games of cricket. It probably can't get adjusted that quickly, but it'd be interesting to see if he ends up on the 2.99 side of things. Anyway, an unbelievable career. So well done, Tim Murta. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. En McDonald's participantes por tiempo limitado. Um, now, obviously, the big story, the only story, especially as it's raining in the, the games in the county championship and the England game at the moment as well, is the World Cup squad. It's been what we've been talking about for the last few weeks in a row. Will it be Roy? Will it be Brooke? Will it be Milan? The World Cup squad has been announced and Jason Roy is the unlucky one who's going to miss out. Um, and it's a weird sort of way that he's missed out because the fact that he's currently slightly injured obviously hasn't helped his cause. But everyone was talking about Harry Brooke was going to come along and score all these runs and that was going to be the end of Jason Roy. In the end, it wasn't anything to do with Brooke, who actually hasn't done a lot. It was Milan who was ultimately cost Jason Roy's place because he's been incredible opening up the batting and he's now set to open with Bairstow at the World Cup. And as Roy wasn't going to open, they figured they would take Brooke, who's a far more versatile batsman and can bat from, from one to six. So it's Jason Roy who misses out. The one question I've got for you, Finney, is why do they do this preliminary squad? Because it was David Willey in 2019 and, and it's Jason Roy this time. Wouldn't it be easier to just announce a massive squad and then just announce near the time who the actual players are going to be rather than somebody going through the heartbreak of being in and then out. Well, I think it's a tricky position to be in, isn't it? Because you want to give as many people certainty about their place in the squad in the build-up to the World Cup and also the fact that they had this series against New Zealand penciled in or penned in rather. Um, you can't pick a squad of 20 players for that series because then you've got guys who could be playing domestic cricket sat twiddling their thumbs and that would piss off a lot of directors of cricket if you had numbers 16 to 20 just sat around not even carrying drinks when they're not available for their counties. So yeah, I think they have to name the squad that they think is going to be the one, but also with the caveat that it isn't necessarily the final Cricket World Cup squad, which I think the selectors, although they didn't say it in the beginning when everyone kicked off about Harry Brook. They did say, look, this isn't the final squad and the players know that. So, yeah, it's a very difficult scenario to be in. And you've got a feel for Jason Roy being called on the eve of a World Cup when he's been such an important part of this white ball revolution over the last eight years. 
he'd have opened in a vast majority of the games in that time and been an exemplary performer. He scored two ODI hundreds in his last six, which again makes the decision not very easy. But it felt as though someone had to miss out for Harry Brook, even though he's not absolutely bulldozed his way through the door in that series against New Zealand. Uh, you feel as though the versatility that he will bring to when he is the spare batter, I think, is probably the reason why he's got the nod in the World Cup over Jason Roy eventually. It, it is sad for Jason Roy because Daniel as well. I mean, let's be honest, Jason Roy and Johnny though are probably the greatest ODI opening partnership of all time. The stats on them are ridiculous in terms of how many runs they score and the rate they score them at. There's no one that comes even close to those two. Um, and also, he was the one that that threw that ball in from the boundary so perfectly when England won the World Cup in 2019. That was his last, you know, last act of the 2019 World Cup was was that perfect throw to Josh Butler. Say perfect, Butler still had to do a bit of a dive, but it was pretty damn good under the pressure. So yeah, you, you've got to feel for Jason Roy, who's basically been at the forefront of what's been so good about the England white ball team in the last few years. He has, actually. I did that first game of the Morgan era, 2015. It was quite emblematic because he was out. See his first ball, Finney? I can't remember. Reverse really sweeping, early. yeah. Yeah, it was that really early on. And it was the sort of thing that would have got you out of the team for six months, at the very least, you know, the black mark against your name. But it was kind of emblematic of the way Morgan wanted to run that team, that um, it selected Jason Roy, wanted Jason Roy to play, and he wanted him to play the way he played. So he was given the opportunity. And if he made mistakes, he made mistakes along the way, but they were going to back him. And so he's sort of what England's white ball revolution is all about. But it's, look, David Willey missed out, didn't he, in 2019. And someone, we knew someone was going to miss out because Finney's been saying it, pretty much anybody, everybody's been saying, Mark Butcher's been saying it on the Wisdom podcast, that Harry Brook was going to get selected for the squad it was always going to happen so someone had to make way and there was a logic to it being a bowler that made way actually because we ran through the options last week there were 10 legitimate bowling options for spinners if you count Root and Livingston which I do and six seamers three of whom are left armers so I could see a situation in which they wanted a reserve batter an extra batter and that would have been Roy but Roy did two things that were problematic firstly um, he was injured, had back spasms and couldn't play. So he didn't get the opportunity to show what he could do. And secondly, sort of since April last year, 2022, notwithstanding the 100 he got against Bangladesh, uh, he has a and nice South Africa. Runs, and South Africa, yeah. He's had poor form, but not just for England. You know, he had poor form in 100, poor form when he turned up for Surrey in T20s in a vitality blast. Um, he's just looked out of sorts, really, for about... 17, 18 months. So it wasn't as if you were taking someone a bit like, like David Willey, for example, hadn't really done a lot wrong before 2019, but Joffre Archer was going to get selected. And he was the unlucky guy to make way. Here, Roy hadn't really done so much to make you say, well, we've got to take Roy. So we've got to find a way. Someone's got to go out the team. And the other part of it is Dawid Malan, who batted so well. Not just in those games. I mean, good grief. He got to a 1,000 ODI runs at an average of 62 in 21 innings, wasn't it? I mean, that is absolutely stupid numbers. And he did much the same thing in T20 cricket, actually. He averaged over 50 when he got to a 1,000 runs. He got there quicker than anybody else in terms of innings. So how do you leave Milan out? And then when you see what Milan can do opening the batting, you think to yourself, well, Milan Bairstow's not bad 
combo, is it, out in India? And then you've got Brook to come into the middle order. So, yeah, I feel bad for Jason Roy. He'll go down as a legend. They say Luke Wright said that the door's not closed and that he might come back. I don't know how realistic that is because at the end of this World Cup, you start to plan for a new four-year cycle, don't you? So I think that's a bit unlikely. And I think it's a shame that Jason Roy, in all probability, is not going to get the opportunity to you know, have his swan song in an England shirt. Uh, but he's been a brilliant, brilliant player for England. And he's been there as England to become world champions in both formats at the same time. Not just the first team to do that. This is starting from where England were in 2015. And sometimes we forget just how behind the curve England were when they started that four-year cycle. You know, I was looking back at, at actually the 2010 World T20. Can, can you remember who's supposed to be opening the batting for England in the T20 World Cup in the West Indies? Uh, was it Michael Lummond? Was that the one where it was Michael Lummond? Well, well Lummond Keyswetter came into the Keyswetter, side. yeah. They came into the side at the very last oh, minute. But was it going to be like Jonathan Trott? Trot. Oh, right. Trot, I yeah. think it was Trot. It might have been Trot and Bell. Yeah. I mean, it's extraordinary when you think how far England have come. There's no disrespect to either of those players, but yeah. white ball cricket has moved on and England have been in part responsible for taking it to the, the place it is now. And Jason Roy has been an enormous part of that as well. Yeah, I remember watching, I went to an ODI game that England lost at what was then the Rose Bowl years ago against India. And I think we set something like 246 for free in our 50 overs because Cook and Bell both, I think they might have both turned up or they both put a lot of runs, but it was like 100 off 140. And so you can't really fault a bloke who's just scored 100, but India chased it with about five overs to spare, I remember at well, the time. Well, that, that's when the hashtag Trot's fault was all over Twitter, wasn't it? Because <laughs> it felt it felt wrong to have a go at Jonathan Trot because his average was great. Yeah. But actually, you know, England were a little bit behind the curve, weren't they? And then they actually went, not just, not, not, not just joined the curve, they went ahead of the curve. Well, absolutely. Well, and it's worth mentioning Milan there, by the way. Got to a thousand runs in twenty-one innings, the same as Viv Richards, Kevin Peterson, and Babra Azam, which isn't bad company to be in. Woof. And he's and he's been in incredible form going into the World Cup. So I'm excited to see him and Best at the top of the order. And uh, but it is very sad for Jason Roy. And Fidia, well, I mean, Jason Roy's sadly gone before the tournament has even begun, but this will be a bit of an end of an era, won't it? Because with I always I'm always a big advocate with test teams about play your best team, win your test matches, but the white ball calendar, the way it is now, they really will start planning for four years' time. You look at Wood, Wokes, Butler. There's a lot of players that won't be playing in four years' time, presumably. Yeah, I mean, what, Butler's 32, isn't he? So he could feasibly play Roots 32, Stokes 32. But yeah, Wokes is 34, Milan's 36, Rashid's 37, 36 or 37, I think. So... I might have done him a disservice there. He might even be 35, but, <laughs> you know, he's been around forever. But yeah, certainly teams do tend to rebuild in between World Cups. I, I also think that it's going to be a very interesting time in world cricket once this World Cup is finished, because I anticipate that a lot of players, a lot of the players in their early to mid-30s will end up retiring from the format or or leaving or dropping out from the format whatsoever in order to pursue... T20 leagues, 12-month IPL contracts. I think that the 50-over format is the one that's going to be the biggest or hardest hit because physically it demands the most out of you on any given day. So, yeah, I I think it's going to be an interesting time for world cricket, not just the England team at the end of this World Cup. And, and as I said, I do anticipate a lot of people dropping out of the format in favour of T20 leagues. 
Yeah, I think there'll be so many players that will play this World Cup. Not just well, Decock's done it, hasn't he? Decock's yeah. De already said after the World Cup he's done. And I actually think people will end up, or players will end up, the big players will end up just playing world tournaments or the build-up to a world tournament like Bolt has done for New Zealand. And I think many others will will do exactly the same. Question for Billy, as a player... If you don't play 50 over cricket, and we're seeing increasingly that these guys are coming in, you just mentioned, you know, they'll just come in for world tournaments. I've just got the feeling watching the 50 over games against New Zealand that they're being played in a very different way from the way they were being played, you know, four, five, six years ago when people played a lot of 50 over cricket. It, it, how difficult is it going to be for players to come in and play 50 over cricket or or is 50 over cricket going to be redefined by the fact that because the players haven't played it it's going to be played at a different kind of pace well i i would like to see more rules in favor of the bowlers i think i think the two new balls and four fielders inside the ring with a t20 mindset is going to lead to some stupendous scores and we're actually seeing that now and I don't think 400 plays 360 is an interesting game of cricket to watch. I think it's incredibly boring, actually. So I I hope that there are some rule changes that will mean that there's a bit more leniency towards the bowlers. But certainly, if you're not playing the 50 over format and you're used to playing T20 and you're in that rhythm, um, I think that that's certainly if you just dip in every now and again to 50 over cricket, I think that that's going to lead to an upping of the pace unless the rules are changed. I mean, Ben Stokes said it himself, didn't he, after he was interviewed, getting that 182, which was an extraordinarily weird innings. It was very, very scratchy to start with. He was trying to hit for the hills like he was playing T20. And he said, you know, I hadn't played 50 over quite a long time. And I was going at T20 pace. And I suddenly I had to stop and remind myself that I'd actually got loads of time. And I, I expect that's going to be the case throughout this World Cup, except possibly for India, who've played a lot of 50-over cricket. Maybe the team's coming out of the Asia Cup, but it felt to me quite frenetic, the 50-overs I've watched recently. Yeah, I, I also think, though, that it takes you very little time to just flick back into that mindset, and there'll be all sorts of team meetings going on. All the teams are playing a decent number of games before this World Cup in order to get themselves used to the rhythm of it. So... I would imagine that as people get to the tournament, they'll be used to playing 50 over cricket again because it's not alien to people. But certainly I think if players have an option or an opportunity to take a really aggressive option and a T20 option or not, I think players will be more confident that they can execute that, which I think it's that fear of looking stupid with so much time left in the game that held people back previously. I think that that fear is diminishing. And do you think those 30 overs, because you touched on it and I've, I've talked to Coney about this, discuss this on air, those 30 overs between overs 11 and 40 that we used to think of as the rather boring middle overs aside, like England were ticking over at six to seven and over and that was what was revolutionary. Now you've got a real opportunity with four outs. It's always had four out, but now with four out, but people having a T20 mindset, you might see those 30 overs going at potentially seven to eight and over. Yeah, and the rest. I think it depends yeah. what sort of platform you lay in the first 10 overs, but teams now will see that as an opportunity because as a bowler, if you've not got a ball that's doing anything, so these two new white balls, as soon as you they stop swinging after two or three overs, they just cannon fodder. They don't deteriorate. They don't reverse swing unless you're on a really, really abrasive surface. And with those four, those four fielders out, there's always a gap somewhere in the outfield for a batter to exploit. And I think that, again, 
this tournament in India on smaller grounds and especially at the beginning of the tournament when you anticipate the surfaces being very true and very good and very well well prepared that we could see some monstrous scores. We've also got Jew. I mean, Jew is going to be potentially a massive factor as well. If you think about the T20 World Cup took place in the UAE, a very similar time of year, October, October, early November, wasn't it? It's a similar line of latitude, India, or large parts of it are to that. You're going to get a lot of dew, and that's going to make it really tough for for sides bowling second when the uh, evening comes in, which it'll do uh, pretty early into the game. You've got a lot of these are day-night games. So after the first innings is done, which will be done pretty much in daylight, the second innings will be done almost entirely in darkness, which will make bowling with a potentially quite a wet ball an absolute nightmare. How did you use to find it bowling with those under the lights when it was dewy, Finney? Yeah, I mean, it goes one of two ways. It either makes the ball skip on and helps the batting team. I think you can see that happen sometimes where the ball gets greasy and the seam is harder to grip where you hold it on the rope and it's usually quite a dry, coarse feeling. It can feel like your fingers are a bit slippy when you're holding the seam in that scenario. And then off the surface, it just seems to grease up the surface and just skips onto the middle of the bat, like batting in one of those rubber floor indoor schools where it just feels like everything skids onto the bat. Or it can go the other way and it can really feel as though it zips around and moves off the surface if you just get the right temperature, the right conditions, and the right stage of the innings for the ball to be a bit newer and that seemed to be a bit harder and drier, then you can find it zips around a bit and it's a good opportunity to take wickets. And that will depend on the areas in India and and what the surface is like, I think. So, yeah, it's very hard to read for captains as well to understand exactly what the Jew's going to do. Very quickly, Phoenix, I know that you need to go and get your wonderful Mm -hmm. pearls looked after and checked out. But Joe Root, he's going to play a couple of games against Ireland because he's... Not he's, today, he's not, because it's no, pissing not, down. Certainly <laughs> not today, or it's absolutely hosing it down, and uh, it might be like for the next few games, but he's planning on playing some cricket against Ireland, which is obviously a sign he's probably not quite happy with where his game's at, at the minute. He's struggled for runs recently. Do we ever need to be worried about Joe Root? No, in my opinion, no. I think that he'll flick back in, in quite quickly into that rhythm of making runs and scoring runs. I'd actually think I'd have rather him not played these Ireland ODIs because I can think sometimes when you're chasing your tail a bit and you're searching for a bit of rhythm and form, if you try too hard, it takes that little bit longer to come. And that's just from a bowling perspective. But I would imagine with a batter, it's the same. I I think, yeah, I'm not worried about Joe Root whatsoever. I think he's got enough experience and enough class to be able to deal with a little bit of a lapse in form. But um, he's so hardworking and he's so willing and so wanting to do well for the team. I'd imagine that's why he's made himself available. He's also probably the best player of spin I've ever seen in an England shirt and in India on some of those pitches. That might be very, very useful as well. So I have no worries about him. It's just interesting seeing him put his name down for a couple of games against Ireland. Shows that he obviously doesn't feel he's quite willing to go out to India and he he, play a couple of games before then. Is he? Is he down to play the... Second and or third, or I, I, I think originally they said the first two, but I wonder if the both right. get rained off. How much longer that will keep going on for? He'll probably keep moving the goalposts, depending on when he needs to needs to fly out and when he feel like he's had a bit of a a net. But yeah, it's interesting. Clive Allen, the old Tottenham striker, whenever he was playing badly, would never practice finishing because he said when you're out of form, you you try too hard, you end up just practicing bad habits. So it's interesting what Finney says there about 
maybe he would have been better off taking some time out of it. But I think Joe Root knows his game pretty well by this point. Right, Finney, we'll let you go and uh, get later. reported. I want you coming back with the Nashers. Yeah, I'll come back. I'll come back refreshed next week and enthused and really enthusiastic about spending time with you both. No, you won't. That's that's never. That's not going to happen. Fair enough. Absolute nonsense. I'll see you next week. Reluctantly, then. Yeah, that's more like it. Oh, oh, isn't it lovely? Is it lovely when he's gone? It's, it's like so a nice. like a oh, like a weight lifted. It is, isn't it? This is oh, nice. such a gloomy. He's like Marvin the paranoid fucking android. That, like. <laughs> I think that's a Honestly. bit harsh on Marvin. I think even well, it is Marvin, a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Marvin's going oh, cheer up, Finney. You miserable so and so. This is much nicer, Daniel. How are you? You know, when Finney's here, we never take the time to check yeah. in. You know, but you know what? I'm I'm okay. I've um, I've I've had a, t- a period of uncertainty. Of okay. late, because um, there's a lot to be done around uh, going to India. It's a, it's a bit of a bureaucratic thing, you know. You've got to get your visas right, and you've got to sort yourself out. It's taken a while for them all to come through, but because there's been a G20 summit in India, and now they're coming through. The visas are coming through in in more than dribs and drabs, great big dollops. So now I know that I'm going, and um, and I'm gearing myself up. I'm starting to visualise it, starting to check my itinerary and. You know, I'm going to Durham Sala. I can't wait, you know, to see a couple of games up there in the foothills of the Himalayas. I'm I'm very excited about that. And uh, I'm I'm watching county cricket, which is the thing I love more than anything else. I was I, I was thinking today actually that England winning the Ashes 3-2 from 2-0 down would probably be the most exciting thing in cricket that could ever happen for me, but the second and all the way down to 99th most exciting things all revolve around Surrey winning the county championship. So, you know, if England just won the Ashes 2-1 or 3-0 or something, it's all right. It's quite fun. It's lovely. But it's a the county championship's the thing that gets my juices going. And I'm here at the Oval and I've watched a terrific innings from Karen Nair, which has been very annoying for Surrey, playing for North Ants. He'd only had four batting points all season. They managed to get three against our magnificent seam bowling attack, which is holding us up. I've got my eyes peeled for what's happening at Chelmsford. I'm keeping an eye on what's happening with Kent and Middlesex because they're playing separately, but they're in a relegation battle. I just love the county championship. It's got so many stories that are weaving in and around it, and there's a certain poignancy to it, but that when it comes to an end, but these are the last two rounds. You know, this one here against North and Surrey go to Hampshire and Essex are in the in that fight. There's only two teams left that can win it. The two best teams in the country that have been really since since Finney's side won in 2016. It's been all about Essex really and Surrey Warwickshire won in 2021, but that was a bit of a strange blip. We didn't have the normal format. Uh so I'm kind of both loving it, but I'm preparing myself for the sadness that is autumn. And luckily, my autumn begins, like the moment the off-season starts, which is the 1st of October, I'm off to India. So I get to delay the misery of autumn until I get back, which is nice, isn't it? I mean, that is how, a luxury. Because I'm going to South Korea on Saturday for two weeks. And cool. Uh, I know that when I get back after two weeks, it will be deeply, deeply grey and depressing in England. Yeah. Those two weeks are... And so how long are you going to India for? It's going to be... A shock to the system when you return. Yeah, well, I get I get back. I mean, for perfect. I mean, I, I wouldn't book me for the final either. But I'm basically there until the semi-finals, and then uh, I come back. So I get to watch the final at home. Uh, so I'll be back. 
around about 16th, 17th of November, by which stage it'll be dark. We'll oh, have that stupid thing where we put the fucking clocks back, yeah. which is so annoying. It's but really I'm so annoyed about it every... It's daft. It's ridiculous. And there'll be like Christmas looming on the horizon. And I'm I'm pretty gloomy about Christmas <laughs> generally. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's going to be, that's going to that's be quite tough. But why am I thinking about that? I mean, basically, I have got a six and a half week stay of autumn execution. And I intend to embrace it and go around that remarkable country that is India. I'm going to eight different cities, getting to visit a whole bunch of places I've never been before. Um, watch a mad cricketing culture get thoroughly excited and enthused by our home World Cup. I mean, it's lovely, isn't it? So great privilege. So I'm all right. I'm okay. How are you? You're going to South Korea. What are you doing in South Korea? Just going away for two weeks, going travelling. Oh, I've just always what wanted to go. What makes you think South Korea? Do you know, we were either going to go east or west. I mean, there's not many other well, options. Well, yeah, it could be uh, north but, or uh, south, I suppose. Yeah, we are going to go north. Yeah. Not from the UK. North's a bit tricky, but... Uh, so we were either going to do sort of Cuba and Mexico, which neither of us have done, or we were going to go into Asia. And I've always wanted to do South Korea. And we went, do you know what? Nobody goes to South Korea. It's a bit more niche. So yeah. we decided, So we're doing 16 days going around South Korea. And I absolutely can't wait. But I will. Have I, you watched, I've, I've have really, watched Paradise and Squid Games again, just as preparation? Uh, I, I have watched Parasite. Squid Games. Sorry. And uh, we watched uh, another Korean uh, brilliant TV show. So brilliant that I forgot the name of it, but a, a real mm. good revenge series that was excellent. Oh, yeah, I love revenge. Oh, Big fan of revenge. Hang on. Let me find the name of it. Hang on. I'll, I'll I find think it, it might be my favourite emotion, revenge. Yeah, you look like somebody who's full of, um, you know, spite. Oh, I've, uh, I've got, I've got so many revenges up my sleeve. There are people out there who have no idea the plans I've got for them. The tentacles of my <laughs> the revenge glory. fantasies. The glory is excellent. Okay. Uh, a young woman bullied to the point of deciding to drop out of school plans the best way to get revenge. She basically got bullied oh. horrendously at school. She plots it for about 30 years and then comes back and ruins all their lives when they're adults. Oh, that's fantastic. And so we watched that and that was the final thing. We we're like, right, we're definitely going to South Korea. But um, I've timed it terribly because the Ryder Cup's on. There's a couple of big Liverpool games. I'm going to have to watch it. I'm going to have to watch and I'm going to have to watch things like in bars in Seoul at 2.30 in the morning. I'm quite excited about that. Um, but very quickly, before we uh, just talk about South Korea and India, because we have got five minutes left, let's assume mm. that it doesn't just rain for the rest of this England versus Ireland series, because yeah. uh, there's a couple of names that I want to pick out that are going to feature if the rain stops. The first one is the captain. And we haven't spoken about this. Zach Crawley <gasps> is captain in England, which wouldn't have happened six months ago, but after the wonderful summer that he had for the test team, um, there's a lot of a lot of love for Zach Crawley now. And now we were never critical of Zach Crawley as a bloke or a human being on this podcast, but neither, none of us, when we first named our ideal test side to face Australia in the Ashes this summer, none of us put Crawley in the side. He's got a first-class average of, you know, under 30, or now I think it's bang on 30. And yet he was so unbelievably good against mm. Australia that he's now captaining this white ball side against Ireland. And everyone goes, yeah, that's the right decision. I mean, it's a hell of a turnaround in a few months, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, again, it's all all about tone, isn't it? Rory Burns, bowled round his legs, trying to hit the ball through the offside that's cannoning into leg stump. First ball of the Ashes, 2017. Zach Crawley, first ball of the Ashes, creams a perfect cover drive for four. And uh, I'm delighted for him. I was utterly sceptical about what he was doing. But I don't know why. I'm, I'm an idiot, aren't I? We'd seen what yes. Morgan's revolution, and we talked about it. We talked about what Morgan's revolution had done to the one-day side, which was showing trust and faith and letting people fail. 
well, Crawley had certainly failed on many occasions in between some nice, like pretty innings here and there. Um, but I'm really delighted he's starting to to show more than his justice potential. I mean, he's only 25 years old, which is incredible. Um, it, he's, uh, I, I sort of nicknamed him Lurch during my commentaries on SEN because he reminds me somewhat of the lugubrious butler in is it the adams family or the monsters i forget which one it's it is the adams family adams family yeah he sort of reminded me a little bit of that but my word what a transformation it's been this summer uh i still think ollie popes are more likely next captain of england but i don't know i think there's some other names in that squad that and i'm not quite sure how i feel about this because obviously, as a rabid Surrey fan who couldn't give a rat's ass how England get on against Ireland, I'm thoroughly cheesed off that Will Jackson and Jamie Smith are hanging around in the rain at uh, Headingley when they should be here at the Oval with the county champions trying to secure back-to-back titles. But I'm also delighted for Jamie Smith that he's going to get an England cap. I think he was bound to get one anyway. I think he'll get plenty, plenty more in the future. He's a very exciting player in all formats all format all four formats we have to say now with the 100 knocking about well five with t10 i'm really excited to see uh will jacks continue his development i think they're those are two stunning cricketers george scrimshaw this is a man who should be filmed in black and white he should actually be wearing an raf outfit and he should be saying tell ethel i love her as he flies over berlin and the anti-aircraft fire bangs around his spitfire or whatever it is Lancaster. i don't know i'm not really i'm not a, i'm not a badger on planes but you know what i mean he looks every inch a world war ii fighter pilot and i'm delighted for him uh and i just i think the depth of talent in english white ball cricket is extraordinary and very very exciting and i think it's also there in in red ball cricket as well i mean the likes of jackson and smith play a lot of four-day cricket for Surrey so we live in wonderful times we are blessed and we should love every minute of it but um, I am still pissed off that Jamie Smith isn't playing for Surrey he won't <laughs> I mean, thank me for that because he wants to play for England I imagine but <laughs> y- yes well I, uh, I I don't think if it's any consolation your opinions on this podcast will make any difference to Jamie no, Smith no difference at all going forward no. <laughs> I think you're right. uh, but no you're completely right about the shank and um you know and we've got jamie smith who i as you know i'm a little bit obsessive as well i think he's unbelievably good we've got james rue the wicket keeper at somerset as yes. well in, who's going to be a serious well beater but i was looking at this squad for ireland this is sort of our well this is essentially c team c team really our third it really is our third 11 essentially. it is toby it's a little bit like that team they put out against Pakistan in the one day is when COVID happened. Do you remember? Yes. Bryden Cass plays for the first time. Yeah. And it wasn't a second team. It was really a third team. It was when John Simpson finally got the cap that he should That's have right. had the year before when James Bracey was erroneously and very unfairly selected as England keeper at Lords against New Zealand. And, and, and it's a similar kind of thing here. It's a, it's a C team, but with players who I think will be in the A team before very long. Well, it's true. I was looking at this team and I was thinking, where does this team finish you know the world cup's going to be that mega group at the beginning yep. if there was an england c team in that group this is the squad crawley duckett rayan ahmed joe root bryden cast sam hain will jacks craig overton matthew potts phil salt george scrimshaw jamie smith luke wood is the c team not bad i'll tell you what 
that 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 that's got a chance of getting out of that group. It genuinely does, which is terrifying. There's yeah. an argument that if you put three England teams in, and maybe we're just insanely biased, and I'm sure India probably got a few things to say about this, but there's a chance if you put three England teams into that table, that three of them could get through to the semi-finals. That's how freakish the strength and depth in white ball cricket is. It's terrifying. It's wonderful. It- it really is. I mean, Root obviously is is doubling up there because yes, you, you can't play. You can't play him in the first team and the third team. No, <laughs> but <laughs> I, but I I take your point absolutely, and and that's why we should be grateful um, to to think where we've come from. Eight years since the twenty fifteen debacle, it's uh, something quite remarkable, and so many of them looking like World War Two fighter pilots because Luke Wood does as well. Yeah. I mean, he and Scrimshaw mm. would be a proper old school 40s lineup, wouldn't they? It's true. Not just the Nashers, the hair, the Tash, all of that. Rayan Ahmed and watching his development as well. So exciting. I mean, it's it's incredible the way England have bloodied players so young recently. It went years and years and years between sort of Brian Close and uh, Ben Hollyoak. And then when do they ever play players that young? And then suddenly the likes of Pope and Sam Curran were in the side and then Rayan Ahmed breaking Brian Close's record, picking up Pfeiffer on debut, getting into the system, but then being allowed to do that and then not playing for England for a while to continue his development shows such maturity, I think, of selection. Because mm. it used to be the case that, you know, you put him in, I think of someone like, say, Mark Lathwell, who was a terrifically gifted player, played in, was it 1989 in the England team against Australia? Had two bad games uh, and was discarded, never to be seen again. And it was dreadful for him. Um, it didn't, it's just totally unhelpful. Whereas now we live in a world where people can come in, be, get to, to experience the environment. Um, doesn't mean they're going to be playing every game. Will Jacks picked up what, whatever it was on debut, picked up five for, didn't he? In, in yeah. Pakistan for 180. Odd, but in a win on the flattest deck you've ever seen in your life. But he didn't get broken by the fact that he wasn't playing when the Ashes yeah. came out. He knew he knew that that was going yeah, to be the case. True. So he's got a, he's he's had a taste of it, and this is going to be the future. Uh, all about what the next cycle is going to be mm. about, and that's why they're looking at these players because there's every chance it could be Jamie Smith and Will Jackson, Rayan Ahmed, and George Scrimshaw and Luke Wood who are trying to get England into a World Cup final in 2027. Yeah, I mean, whisper it quietly, but that's the one good thing about these ridiculously packed schedules is we get to see a lot more players. And if you perform in the white ball team and you've got Red Bull skills, that could be your ticket into the the Red Bull team as well. Um, Well, I've got to go. Now, wish me luck. I've got, you, you mentioned John Simpson a few moments ago. Well, spare a thought for me because I am hosting a testimonial event for John Simpson tonight, Middlesex cricketer John Simpson and a slayer of Stephen Finn in the 100. And I wasn't meant to be hosting it. I was just meant to be getting drunk with some some good friends. And Laura Wood's name was originally on the invite, the presenter that used to be on BT Sport and is now on, uh, now known as TNT Sport. However, then she realised that she's uh, the host of the Champions League and that's slightly more important than a testimonial for John Simpson. So I've been roped in last minute. And as a result, loads of men who are very, very excited to see Laura Woods all night, will be staring at me instead. So I've got the hardest job in show business tonight. Well, I should, I'd have a shave first, if I were you. Yeah, and me, yeah I'd, exactly. st- I'd start by getting rid of the beard. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be too late for my hair to grow in the next You can still hour. wear comfortable shoes. I think you can get away with a pair of comfortable shoes. Get yourself a wig. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I feel for you. I mean, but when I say I feel for you, I feel for you only a little bit because 
you got 24 hours notice, whereas you gave me roughly 15 minutes notice that I was essentially going to have to take over your role at a Barmy Army gig in Birmingham uh, when yes. you were so fucking pie-eyed <laughs> that you couldn't do any of it. When you'd invited me along and said, oh, come on, it'll be great, can have a drink. <laughs> yes, yes. Now suddenly I'm interviewing Ashley Giles, am that's, I, at 15 minutes notice. So thanks a lot for that. That's very true. <laughs> Ashley Giles. You know what? Know this is what's called karma, Toby. <laughs> this is karma. Um, the other thing about John Simpson is, you can mention to him, if you like, that on a Lord's Taverners tour to Hong Kong, he uh, pinned me to a uh, chair and wrapped duct tape around my face to stop me talking. <laughs> yes, that's entirely true. That's an Don't worry, Sal. Idea. Don't worry. You can keep that in. It's it's not slander. It was witnessed by many people. It's real. <laughs> it's no, John Simpson, real. He, he will want that left in as well. Uh, right, well, I'll go and shake his hand and thank him for that as well. So, uh, right, well, Daniel, have a lovely rest of your day and uh, wish, you. wish me luck this evening and I shall see you next week. I can't wait. It's my last, it's my, my last uh, zero ducks in England for either a while or forever, depending and, on how I get on in India. Well, and mine for two. Oh, bloody hell. We struggled getting a time this week. Next week, you and Finn are in India and I'm in South Korea. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, shit sticks. And the following, yeah, the following week, two of us will be in India and you'll be in South Korea. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I see what you mean. Yes. Oh, yeah. my God almighty. What a nightmare. Good luck, everyone. Good luck, Sam. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.